Ryan, I don't even know if I'm going to, I'm going to use this. I don't think it's just, I'll just have you help me out this morning if you could, please. You want me to try it? Oh, that's right. We may have made some changes, right? Okay. Last week we started a new series on Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Please know that as I go into this series and I talk about things, I am not trying to trivialize the hardships of life. How amazing is it that last Sunday we were talking about Hurricane Harvey and today it's Hurricane Irma, both historic catastrophic storms. And I mean, I'm a, well aware that some of us, some of you, have had or are currently having hurricane-sized storms in your life. And that this message or these series of messages are not intended to be like some pixie dust that we can just sprinkle over your life and poof it all as well. Um, But I also believe that God's word is true. And if we can't learn to lean on God's word in the most difficult of times, then we can't lean on it for anything. Amen. And so I believe that the truths in this verse can really help us in our life. Last week we ended by talking about our reason that we can be optimistic, our reason that we can be positive people, even in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of uncertainty, is the role of the Holy Spirit and how He is ever interceding in our lives. But I want to bring out just one more point with the Holy Spirit. And if you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, um, there is a few verses that I want to look at to highlight another aspect of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8. And I want to pick up on verses 26 and 27. All right, Ron, I'm trying it. There it is. Wow. Two slides in a row. It worked. Let's read. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Notice that verse 26 uses, refers to the word weaknesses, which is why I highlighted that for you there. What exactly is the writer trying to say here? Is he talking about our prayer life? Is it uh, talking about the lack of concentration that we sometimes have in our prayer life? Is it that we can be easily distracted in our prayer life? Maybe he's talking about our minds that just wonder. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get in a place that's super quiet, 
my mind begins to wonder, you know, and it's just kind of hard to focus. So that's just all part of it as well. Maybe it's talking about our lack of zeal and fervor or faith. Uh, maybe it's talking about our lack of expectation and anticipation, knowing and waiting for God to answer. Maybe it's talking about that. Maybe, maybe he's talking about sometimes that we offer quick, fast food prayers. Say amen to that, because I know we all can say that at times. Um, I was having a, a conversation with Sam Hersberger not long ago. Sam, you gave me a great uh, illustration I'll never forget. Uh, Sam said how easy it is in the mornings to give Pop-Tart prayers. That's a great line. That we just quickly just pop them in and out before the Lord and then we go about our day, right? When every morning God is desiring us to sit down at a feast. To give him time, to give him all of who we are. And uh, Sam even talked about the kind of positions we place our bodies in and, and just having a reverence and a fear and ready to have, spiritually speaking, eggs and bacon and coffee and toast and pancakes and waffles. Every morning God has his spread ready for us. But how many times do we just give him Pop-Tart prayers? So true. So is this what the writer is talking about? Is this what he means when he talks about weaknesses? Now, while all of these things are true, our weaknesses in our prayer life, I don't believe that this is what the Apostle Paul was trying to get across with this verse or these verses. I believe he's talking about our inability to always know what God's will is for our life. And Paul refers to this shortcoming as a weakness. Sure, we know what God's will is for our life when it comes to the love of God as it pertains to having a stronger faith. We know what it is, what His will is uh, and how we should treat one another, how we should treat our neighbor, having more patience. But when we're in a trial, when we're in a crisis, when we are in a hardship, it's hard to always see clearly. We don't always know, church, what is best for our life. Look at that verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. And here it is. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Let's face it. When something bad happens, we think that we know what is best for our life, right? We think we know how God should be answering this prayer. And as I said, sometimes the Word of God spells out exactly what God's will is. We, we get that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those difficult times in our life whenever, whenever we think that we know what God should be doing. But verse 26 just said that's not necessarily the case, which is why we need the Holy Spirit's intercession. And then verse 27 tells us that the Holy Spirit knows your mind. He knows what's in your heart. And only He can determine what we really need. And did you catch what the tail end of verse 27 said? It says, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Don't miss that. You see, we're not always going to know ahead of time how things will turn out. Hmm. 
Um, this wasn't in my notes. I wasn't planning on saying this. But I was talking to my wife this morning on the way to church. And um, I don't know what got me to thinking about this, but whenever I was in college, I was pre-engaged to a girl named Robin. And um, without going into the whole sob story, she broke up with me. Hard to believe, I know, I don't know why someone would do that, but anyways. At the time, Mount Vernon Nazarene College, I was playing baseball, but it just crushed me. Lost a lot of weight, it was just, it was one of those difficult, difficult times in my life. And, and I thought that I knew exactly what God had planned for me. I believe this was the woman I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with, and I could not understand. So you see, at that time, God did not tell me that he had a brunette head somewhere in Zanesville, Ohio. That was going to be my wife one day. That was going to be exactly the woman that I needed in my life. I didn't know it at the time. But what did I have to do? I had to just keep my head down, stay faithful to Jesus Christ, do what I needed to do, get through the moment, but just hang on and trust the Lord and I think I definitely came out on the better end of that deal. Praise the Lord. Sometimes, perhaps, we need to pray more with the attitude of James 4.15 that says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for. Excuse me, the next verse. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Sometimes that needs to be... Our attitude. Now, hear me out on this. I believe that we should pray with great faith. Somebody say amen to that. We should pray with great faith. I believe that we need to be specific in our prayers to God. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. God wants to see how big our faith is by how big our prayers are. You see, when we get to heaven, I don't think God is going to say this. I don't think he's going to say, I heard your prayers while you were here on earth, and I wanted to answer them, but they were just too big. If anything, he's going to say the opposite. I wanted to answer bigger prayers, but you just would not ask them. So I believe that we need to be specific in our prayers. However, let's not forget that we are human. And one of our weaknesses as humans is we will not always know with every situation what God's ultimate plan is. We need to be willing to trust that even if something does not turn out exactly as we thought, God can still bring good out of the church. Because that's our God. That's our God. Sometimes we're not always going to know what college to go to. Sometimes we're not always going to know, should I take this job or not? Sometimes we're not going to always know whenever we have a house, that should I buy this house or not? Not always going to know that. God ultimately knows what's best, and He and the Holy Spirit can see down the road, praise the Lord. They're omniscient. They know the future as well as the past. They can see every cause and effect, every chain reaction, and every ripple effect of every situation in our life. 
good or bad, church, you can trust him. You can trust him. You see, our weaknesses are the Holy Spirit and God's strengths. I want to read uh, an illustration to that effect. A wise old Chinese gentleman lived on the troubled Mongolian border. One day his favorite horse, a beautiful white mare, jumped the fence and was seized on the other side by the enemy. His friends came to comfort him. We're so sorry about your horse, they said. That's bad news. How do you know it's bad news, he said. It might be good news. A week later, the man looked out his window to see his mare returning at breakneck speed, speed, and along her was a beautiful stallion. He put both horses into the enclosure, and his friends came to admire the new addition. What a beautiful horse, they said. That's good news. How do you know it's good news, he said. It might be bad news. The next day, the man's only son decided to try riding the stallion. It threw him, and he landed painfully, breaking his leg. The friends made another visit, all of them sympathetic, saying, We're so sorry about this. It's such bad news. How do you know it's bad news, he said. It might be good news. Within a month, a terrible war broke out between China and Mongolia. The Chinese recruiters came through the area, pressing all the young men into the army. All of them perished, except for the man's son, who couldn't go off to war because of his broken leg. You see, said the gentleman, the things you considered good were actually bad. And the things that seemed to be bad news were actually for our good. Sometimes, church, we just need to be willing to say, God, I need you. God, I don't understand this. God, this hurts. God, this is painful, but I trust in you. I believe that you're in control and that you have a plan. See, church, to pray that and to live that is living out Romans 8, 26 and 27 that we just talked about. And what is the result if we will live with the Holy Spirit interceding, if we will live knowing that sometimes we're not going to know everything? What is the result of that kind of life? Romans 8, 28. That's what the result will be. If you live like that, if you believe like that, if you pray like that, then we can say we know that all things work together for good. Those that love the Lord to those that are called according to his purpose. The Holy Spirit wants to be an integral part of not just your everyday life, but your hardships and your difficulties. Most of the time, hardships and tests will come with much uncertainty. Again, as we talked about, we are not always going to know what college or what job or what career to take. We always will not know what to do with that rocky relationship that we're in. We're going to want to know what's going to be the outcome of this illness that I'm in or this illness that my loved one is in. 
And it's during these times that we desperately want God to just reveal himself, do we not? We just want God to just write. How many times have we said, God, if you would just write it on the wall, they would just make life so much easier? You've been there. I've been there. But I think we all know there's a reason why God doesn't always just spell it out. There's a reason why he doesn't, word for word, just verbatim write it on the wall. It would take no faith if that's what he always did. If he did that every time with every situation that we go through, why do we need faith? I've said it before, but when we go through a difficulty, God's just not wanting us to hurry up and get to the end and be, have this resolved. He's interested in what the process is going to do to us along the way. Is our faith going to strengthen it or is our faith going to falter? With this thought in mind, I want us to begin to break down this verse of Romans 8.28. I want you to notice the, the very first two words of this passage. The very first two words, I thought I had this like in chronological order here, but there it is. We know. We know that all things work together for good. We know. Now, what's interesting about this point is that if you take those two words out, if you take the words we know out, it really doesn't change the promise at all. Matter of fact, if you take those words out, we can say all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. And the promise remains the same. So why did the writer include these two words? Listen, I believe God inspired Paul to put these two words right at the beginning, not to emphasize what God was going to do, but in order to tell us what we should do. That obviously didn't hit you like it hit me, but think about it. That should be our attitude. As believers, we should not hypothesize, we should not theorize, we should not speculate or we should not fabricate. We should not be tossing and turning in our beds at night with anxiety. Why? Because we know God, we therefore should believe in God. Right? That's right. His power is not limited in the least, church. This concept is seen all throughout Scripture, so why do we doubt? There are verses of certainty and surety for us. There's two listed right there. Job said, but as for me, I know. Not I hope, or I think so, or I hope so. I know that my Redeemer lives. And He will stand upon the earth at last. 1 John 5.13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Aren't you glad that you can know where you are with Jesus Christ? That you can wake up in the morning knowing where your position is? That if you were to die today or that day, you would be on your way to heaven. I'm so glad that I know. I know that I know. Psalm 100 verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Another translation says, Know that the Lord is God. John 8.32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Man, I'm so glad he's put we know. (laughs) As many of you know, I'm a huge Ohio State football fan. No snickering out there right now. But I've got to be honest with you, just, you know, at heart, I'm a very competitive person, just who I am. And um, a lot of times I find myself getting way too worked up for games. I, I remember my grandfather, who also played uh, baseball, semi-professional baseball, um, he got to the point to where he couldn't watch or listen to football games because he just got too worked up. Now, some of you may think that I'm a terrible fan whenever I say this, but um, there are times whenever it's a big game or when, when the Buckeyes are not doing well or the outcome doesn't look good, I just have, I just have to get away. I've got to walk away. Um, I've got to get out of the house. I've got to, I can get more work done outside doing an Ohio State football game. than. <laughs> or my mom is the same way. She, I mean, if you want the house clean, just put on an Ohio State football game and she'll go through the house like crazy cleaning up the house. <laughs> I, that's, that's just what I do. I've got, I got to get away. But what I'll do is I'll DVR it, just in case it turns out well. (laughs) Hey, if they win, it's a lot easier in my heart sometimes to go back and watch the game after I know. Some of you are laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. But here's the point I'm trying to make. As I'm watching the game, knowing that we've won, As I'm watching the game and things are not looking good, or we have a bad play, or or the outcome's not looking good, I don't worry about it. Because I know that in the end we win. I know it's not going to matter how many interceptions JT throws or how many stops or whatever. I know that in the end it's going to be fine. Is this not how we should live life? During the times when we don't know what's going to happen. During those times of uncertainty in our hardship or difficulty. We can know that all things are going to work out for good. We can know. Romans 8.28 tells us in the end everything is going to be okay. We can still be optimists because even in our times of not knowing, we can know. I talked about Dave last week and just how positive and how optimistic of a person he is. I loved it, uh, and I love it. This morning we were walking in. I, I had, we had our crock pot, and, and they said something about the game last night. He said, oh, it was just a fluke. That, you know, that wasn't going to happen. I love your attitude, Dave. That's awesome. That's awesome. Just a fluke. Looks more like a fluke to me, but well, that's another conversation. Oh, I love the song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because He Lives, All Fear Is Gone. Say it, Because I know. He Holds the Future. I'm so glad that Bill Gaither put those words in there as well. I know He holds the future, and because of that, Those of you who are going through a difficulty, those of you, the end has not come yet. And I'm thinking of different individuals in my mind right now. I'm thinking thinking of my father-in-law, who's still suffering this morning over the loss of Murph. Because I know that he holds the future, he and we can say, and life is worth the living, just because 
He lived. Church, we can live with the kind of hope and confidence that knows our Redeemer lives. Because we know the truth, we can know we have eternal life. Because we know Him, we can be persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And because we know all of this, we can be certain that all things will work out together for our good because in the end we win. We win. Maybe you'll never look at those words quite the same when you read Romans 8.28. We know all things work together for good. Let's go on to my second point, my last point. Not that point. Yeah. We know that all things work together for good. All things. This is the next phrase in our look at Romans 8.28. You've heard it said that all means all, and that's all that all means. But does Romans 8.28 really mean all? Does it really mean that no matter what happens in our life, regardless of how catastrophic, how devastating, that God can bring good from it? Easy to say, sometimes hard to believe, especially when you're going through it. There are those right now in Florida that are probably thinking, I don't know if I believe that. People in Texas who are saying, I don't know that I believe that. Sometimes we have a hard time believing that whenever we mess up. Sometimes people say things like this. I know God is all-powerful and all-loving, but I've caused this problem all by myself. I've really messed up. I've ruined my home. I've ruined my marriage. I've failed with my kids. I've yielded to a dark and terrible temptation. I lost my temper, which caused me to lose my job. I ran up that debt. There's no way that God can bring good out of my mess, let alone want anything to do with me. I've read recently that back in 1923, a Dr. Fleming had failed numerous times to invent a drug that could cure many diseases. After one particular failed experiment, he threw away the dish that he had used. And this dish had some bacteria on it, but as he was throwing it away, he noticed that a mold had begun to grow on this bacteria. And what it was doing, it was eating away at the bacteria. And upon further investigation, that mold contained a powerful antibiotic that revolutionized the medical world. And you saw the slide that I gave you a little sneak peek at. That drug is penicillin. Some of our greatest inventions and greatest breakthroughs, church, have come from mistakes. Did you know that cornflakes, the microwave, even chocolate chip cookies, potato chips, pacemakers, the slinky, silly putty, they all came from mistakes. They all came when someone was trying to have a particular outcome and it failed and something greater came to be. Some great advancements to our lives, just some are just silly things. 
with some of our worst mistakes, some of our worst mess-ups, praise the Lord, can become some of God's greatest victories and gains in our life. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that, that uh, He just doesn't give up on us whenever we mess up? Praise God. Listen to these words. Darkness. Blackness. Hollow. Void. Nothingness. Emptiness. They're all words that have been used to describe how one can feel when going through a difficulty. Maybe some of you this morning are using those words in your life right now. Let me give you some good news, though. Did you also realize that these are some of the very words that were used to describe the world before God showed up? Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, God took that which was formless and created light. He brought meaning from that which was void and empty. He made sense out of nonsense. He took darkness and said, let there be light. Out of nothingness, He made this wonderful, beautiful world that you and I get to enjoy Every single day. And let me tell you this morning, He can do the same for you in your life. Amen? He can do the same for you where there's void and darkness and emptiness and blackness and hollowness and there's nothingness. When there's nonsense, He can make something beautiful. See, if I can remember all the words, if ever there were dreams that were lofty and noble, Bill Gaither said, they were my dreams from the start. And the hopes for life's best are the hopes that I harbor down deep in my heart. But my dreams turn to ashes and my castles all crumbled. My fortunes turn to rust. But then I wrapped it all in the rags of my life and I laid them at the cross. And that's whenever he made, sing it with me, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion He understood. All I had to offer Him was brokenness and strife. But He made something beautiful of my life. Did you notice all the times it said, all I had to offer him? (laughs) Praise the Lord. He can do the same for you. When Adam and Eve sinned, they unfortunately caused Romans 23 to one day be written, which says, for we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But at the same time, God initiated a plan to take that which was bad and turn it into good. 
He sent his son to us that whosoever will believe within him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever is another word to say all. It means that everyone who has ever lived and whoever will live, live. God looked at the heart of all of mankind and he made it possible for Peter to write these words. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that, say it with me, all should come to repentance. This same God is able to take all of our tragedies, all of our heartaches and heartbreaks, all of our disappointments, all of our loneliness and all of our sadness, and he is able to make something beautiful out of your life and out of my life. Praise the Lord in this Romans 8.28, there is not an asterisk beside the word all. All means all. That's all that all means. This verse is all inclusive. Nothing is excluded from the invitation. No problem is too small or too great. The huge events in life and the tragic ones, each and every problem is God's concern and he can handle them all. A few things, a lot of things, good things, bad things, sad things, funny things, all things. It's because of David's sin with Bathsheba, his adultery, his murder, and the cover-up that we have the much-beloved Psalm 51. And it's because of this that God was able to bless that and out of that relationship eventually would come Solomon through whom the Messianic lineage would come of our Savior. See, God can take our mess up. Praise the Lord. He can take your mess ups and my mess ups and make something beautiful. I'm almost done here. You may be surprised to know that this small word, all, is mentioned 5,675 times in the Bible. 5,675 times in the Bible. And the frequency of this verse speaks to the all-sufficiency of our God. He is our all in all. He is our all-embracing, all-encompassing, all-loving all-sufficient Savior. This is why God sent His Son. To make something beautiful out of your life and out of my life. If we will but bring Him our, our mess. If we will but come to Him with humility and repentance and place it all under the blood. One more quick story to read. Uh, Dick, you can come on up if you want. I've asked him to go ahead and sing the song that we sang last week at, at the invitation time. That's such a great song, appropriate for a message like this. Let me read uh, this one last story. Dr. Bernard Gilpin a Christian hero of an earlier day who had a reputation of cheerfulness, 
and was often heard quoting Romans 8.28 to his people. He was born in 1517, the same year that Martin Luther sparked the Protestant Reformation. He was a great evangelist in the British Isles, working especially in the remote areas of Great Britain. He was dubbed the Apostle to the North, but his parishioners called him the Romans 8.28 man. One day during his travels, he broke his leg in an accident. Someone mockingly asked if his broken leg would turn out for his good. Yes, Gilpin replied vigorously, all things work out for good. You see, his broken leg delayed his trip to London where the queen, Bloody Mary, had determined to place him on trial because of his preaching. By the time he was able to resume his journey, the news came that Mary had died. Gilpin was saved from almost certain martyrdom, and he lived to serve the Lord with renewed freedom for another 25 years. For we know that all Some of you may be thinking right now, I don't know if I believe that, Pastor Brock. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to believe the Word of God. He'll never let you down. Remember what we said last week? Sometimes our life is like the Hebrew language, and sometimes it takes time to where we have to look backwards and see what He's done. Continue to be faithful. Continue to do what He wants you to do. He won't let you down. Would you stand, please? What page is that again, Dick? 433. I know whom I have believed. We're just going to sing a couple of verses, and if no one comes, that is fine. And um, again, if you're just wanting to pray by yourself, we can come to this set of altars on my right, your left. If you just want to do some seeking, some Praying to the Lord by yourself. No one will come lay a hand on you. No one will come. It will just be you and God. If you need someone to pray with you, you can come over here my left and your right. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Every time I pray, I say those words. Thank you. But we have so much to be thankful for, Lord. Lord, as uh, Louis said, a day of kind of fun and celebration for our, for our church family, Lord. And Lord, in a little while, we're going to relax and enjoy some food and fellowship. We thank you for that. But God, I thank you that if there's someone that is here this morning and they're struggling, that this is not maybe so much of a day of celebration or just having a good time. They're just trying to survive. God, I thank you that you have given us a word. A word, you've given them a word that will carry them through the roughest of times. There's someone here, God, that's messed up. And they don't know how you can make good out of this. Lord, I pray that they'll realize that today can be a brand new day. Today can be the day that you... They don't know how to make good. I pray that they'll realize that today can be a brand new day. Today can be the day that you start to make something good out of the mess of their life. Thank you that we have that promise. 
We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.